It's so good to to see you all again. Um, I plan on doing this individually. I apologize for not already doing this, but uh, Christy and I were not here uh, for our cookout, our church cookout last week, and and you guys know why. I appreciate your prayers and support uh, for the difficult time uh, that my family had to go through, and is still going through. Uh, your continued prayers and support would be appreciated. Um, but you guys soldiered on and had a cookout. I heard it was uh, the service was great. Thank you, Johnny, for stepping in and delivering the word. Um, I want to thank everyone who had a hand in that. Those who are here or watching via Facebook Live, uh, the food, that's a major undertaking. Set up, tear down, the cooking, all of that. I just want you guys to know that your service is uh, recognized and appreciated. And although I haven't gotten to you yet this week, look forward to me getting getting in touch with you individually just to express my personal thanks. I love you guys and appreciate everything that you do. Amen. All right, so now it's time to step on your toes. No, I'm just, just kidding. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles, those of you who have them, to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4. <clears throat> I'm going to talk this morning on the topic of recognizing God as your source. Recognizing God as your source. And before we get started, just join me in a brief word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just humble myself to you, Lord, and, and uh, just ask you to use me as a vessel to preach your word, Lord, uh, to your people who love you and uh, who are, who've put their trust in you, Lord. Lord, may they be edified, and uh, may the word be planted in the good soil, that those that hear it may not be hearers only, but doers of your word, and be uh, benefited to a great degree by it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning at uh, verse 1, this will be a familiar story to many of you. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, and pay your debts, 
and you and your sons can live on the rest. I think this story highlights a very important truth that we need to settle in our hearts and minds. That simple but profound truth is God is your source. It's easy, an easy thing to do is for us to look to people as our source. It's easy for us to look to a job as our source. It's easy for us to look to an institution as our source or to government as our source. But what we have to do as people of God, ladies and gentlemen, is realize those things aren't our source because what do we do when those things dry up? If they're our source, then when they are insufficient or when they're cut off from us, then our mindset is our source is gone. But those aren't our source. None of them are. They're all provided by God. There's only one true source, capital S, source is God. God may bring somebody into your life or he may inspire someone to bless you, but that person isn't your source. They're the resource that God used to bless you. God may have given you a job, but that job is not the source by which you provide for your family. The source provided that job for you to be able to provide for your family. Are you hearing me? Our perspective needs to be focused on who our real source is. And in all of our situations, in light of what uh, Emily said today, this, mo- this morning, and what Brittany said, we've got to recognize who our real source is. The one that we need to be humbling ourselves before. The one that we need to be surrendering ourselves to. The one that we need to be looking to in trying times. It's not that we're not supposed to bear, uh, bear with one another and to bear one another's burdens, but even in the doing of that, we're not each other's source. God remains that for us. In this story, this poor widow, had uh, she loved God. She had a husband who loved and served God, but life is life. Her husband died. And he died with them in debt. And the creditor came because, hey, I'm sorry for your loss, but you owe what you owe. They probably looked at that creditor as a source at one point. And what they could have. I don't think they did, but you could have. I want you to know those payday loans are not a source. If they're the source of anything, it's the devil. But life happens to all of us. And life happened to this poor woman and her sons. They probably looked to their, to her husband, to their father as their source. But as loving and as godly as he was, he was not their source. Their source, their, he was a resource. That resource is gone, but the source remains. Resources dry up. 
but the source never does. Resources get cut off, but the source never gets cut off. Amen? It's important that we know this because where, you know, where your, you know, where you invest your heart, that's going to inform your perspective. So if, if, if I'm invested in a thing or a person as my source, then that thing, once it's insufficient or cut off, oh my gosh, my world is turned upside down. Because what do I do now? But if we recognize all along that even, in the, even though I'm, in, I'm being blessed by this person or thing, God is the one doing the blessing. So if this dries up, my source will provide through another way. And so I can stay in faith. All right? So, but let's, let, let's look at this. Um, so she goes to the man of God, Elisha, and tells him her story. And he asked her, what do you want me to do or what shall I do? And he asked her an even more important question, what do you have in the house? Now, she started where a lot of us sometimes camp. So I don't really have anything. I don't have anything in the house except a jar of oil. I've got a big problem. The little that I have is not enough to address the problem. So I am in need. I am in distress. I am desperate because what I have doesn't measure up. What I have can't get the job done. Help me. But he he asked her a question to get her mindset on. What do you have? Uh, This is all I have. Okay, take what you have and let's see what we can do with it. Amen? Because little is much in the hand of God. Right? And so we can't just look at the little. Sometimes we focus too much on the circumstance and we focus so, so much on our lack or the little that we have. And we let the little that we have intimidate us out of faith. But if we recognize God as our source, then we can connect those dots and get in faith and say, okay, this is a little bit. But when has that ever stopped my God? Right? When has that ever stopped my God? Does my God need much in order to provide? He can take the little that I have and provide over and above my highest expectations. If we remember that he is the source. We have to recognize God as our source in the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of our situation. Are you hearing that today? And maybe, hopefully, you're, you're, you're turning thoughts over in your mind right now and you're reflecting on your situation, if, if this message is speaking to you, and maybe you've endured some hardship, and maybe you're still in the middle of it. Maybe you're in, a, a, in the beginning stages of a transition in life, and you're a little tentative to take that step that God may want you to take because you're not seeing 
how ends are going to meet. You're not seeing how the, how the provision can be made uh, possible for you. Because you might be giving up provision. And we've always been told a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So how can I go where I believe God is leading me? It looks like I'll be giving up the bird in the hand. In the birds in the bush, nothing's guaranteed. But the just shall walk by faith, not by sight, right? What matters is what is God saying? And if God wants us to do what we believe he wants us to do, then he's going to make a way and he's going to provide. Amen? Um, if that causes me to let a job go in pursuit of that, we want to do it prudently. We want to be responsible. We want to provide for our families and so forth. But we got to have an attitude at least that this job, I'm not leaving a source. I would be leaving a resource. The source has asked, the source is leading me to go in a different direction. Now, am I going to trust the source to provide as I obey him? And go the direction that he's called me to go. Amen? So, this doesn't make sense to her. He says, go take the little jar of oil that you have, but I want you to go outside. I want you to borrow vessels from the neighbors, empty vessels, and, and not just a few. I want you to get a whole bunch of them, as many as you can. Can you imagine what her neighbors must have thought? I don't know why you need this. Okay, all right. I got five of them. I want them all. And you're going neighbor, neighbor to neighbor to neighbor. Now, she can't know what's about to happen. All she's doing is going in faith on what the man of God told her to do. She still has a need. She still has a creditor breathing down her neck. There's no food. There's no provision. All she's got is this oil. How are they going to live? in the conditions that they're in. But she obeys. It doesn't make sense. She doesn't know the end from the beginning, yet the man of God told her to do these things. She's got enough faith to prepare for the source to do something mind-blowing in her situation. Do you have enough trust in God as your source to do what he says do, regardless of whether or not it makes sense to you. This wonderful woman did. And every time a vessel got filled up, they set it aside brought another one, filled it up, set it aside until they were all out of vessels. And at the end of it all, not until every vessel was full did the oil stop flowing. That tells me if she was still alive today and grabbing vessels, the oil would still be flowing. Amen. <laughs> God was going to keep the oil flowing as long as there was a vessel to put oil in. 
So whatever capacity, it all started with just a jar of her own, but she got vessels from other people, and she kept bringing vessels and kept bringing vessels, and God kept bringing oil and bringing oil and bringing oil. That same God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in what way is God telling you to go get as many vessels as you can get? Go do what you can do. Grab what you can grab. Right? Don't look to others as your source. What do you have and what can you submit to God? What can you surrender to God and let him provide and supply in a way that gives him glory, in a way that gives a testimony that can, that, that can inspire others to trust in God too. What happened there was more than just the need being met. What happened there was a confirmation that God is her source, that God will provide for her despite the circumstances. And after all was full, the vessels ran out, the oil stopped flowing, the man of God said, go sell that oil and pay your debts. And you and your son can live on the rest. So she came to him with a desperate situation about the creditor. And if she wasn't able to, pro to produce the funds to pay off the debt, the creditor was going to take her son's as slaves. She took that care to the man of God. The man of God didn't necessarily pray for, you know, miraculous provision. He did not uh, go take issue with the creditor and say, you know, you're wrong for that. What he did was ask her what she had. Because she gave God, offered up what she had and entrusted it to God. Not only did she get the need met that she approached the man of God for, she didn't want her sons to be slaves. God gave her enough to pay off the debt and for her and her sons to live off of. <laughs> That's the kind of God that we serve, right? And, and those are the things that God can do if we recognize him as our source and we don't make him small based on our circumstance or we don't make him small based on the little that we have. We despise the little because we look at the little as not enough. What is this? What is this drop in the middle of an ocean? And if that's our attitude, then what can then, then the, the resulting uh, mindset is, what can God do with this? And in our minds, we're not trying to do it. In our minds, we're just we're just having a pity party because. We're looking at the bigness of our situation and the little of our provision, and, and we're wondering, you know, and, and we're deciding that this is a lost cause. I can't do anything with this. 
But without us considering what we're saying about the God of our salvation in the process. Yeah, you probably can't do anything about it, but he can. And truth be told, you can do something about it. If you recognize who your source is, then you know who to go to in the right way for your source to provide and as only he can provide. Usually our problem is we're trying to figure out a way that we can fix the situation rather than surrendering the situation to the one who can. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift, in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to turning. The, the preceding verse, verse 16, says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Sometimes we deceive ourselves into thinking something other than what verse 17 says. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Your job may be a gift from God, but it's a resource, not your source. Your education might be, is a gift from God, but it's a resource, not the source. If you're fortunate enough to have a, a wealthy benefactor, that person's a resource, not your source. Any of y'all well, I don't know, I know enough of you personally, but any of y'all who are employers, right, you are, you, your employees, you are a resource for them, but you're not their source. And vice versa, as an employer, you may depend on your employees in order for your business to thrive. They are a resource for you, but they are not your source. God is your source. And I can't, I know I'm repetitive on that, but it bears repeating. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, and we want, we appreciate the gift. But let us recognize the gift giver. Always. I want to give a few examples. One out of the book of Ruth. And I'll we're not going there. I'm just going to give these examples. And many of y'all know Ruth, uh, a Moabitess, followed Naomi, uh, whose husband uh, had left uh, due to trying circumstances. Or Naomi's husband took them to Moab where his family could survive. And his sons married daughters from there. And Naomi's husband died. And the two sons died. But Ruth is one of the daughters that came back with Naomi back to the people of God.
A young man named Boaz, well, not so young, but Boaz uh, favored her. And he saw her out there going behind those who were doing the harvest and whatever they left behind, she would pick it up. And he saw it and he started saying, hey, why don't y'all leave a little extra back there for her? And she recognized that and talked to Naomi about it, but it could be viewed as Boaz favored her, and he did. But Boaz didn't just favor her for no reason. Boaz favored her because God favored her, and God moved on Boaz to do what he did. So Boaz wasn't her source. It was God who was her source. The, Boaz was the vessel God used to favor her. And, I, and so I, I want us to, to recognize those things in the story. Same thing with Joseph. I use Joseph all the time uh, it, uh, in the Old Testament. It, uh, uh, chapter 39, when he, uh, I'm just going to combine all of them. When he was in Potiphar's house, he got favor, the favor of Potiphar. When Potiphar's wife lied on him and he ended up in prison, the prison warden, favored him. And when uh, the cupbearer told the Pharaoh what had happened to him, when he prophesied what would happen to him and the baker, Pharaoh called, he interpreted the dream, and then he had the favor of Pharaoh. And all of them blessed Joseph in some way, despite the calamity that he, personal calamity he was in. All of them blessed him, but none of them were his source. The reason he got the favor of Pharaoh, the prison warden, and Potiphar was because he had the favor of God on his life. And God moved on every one of them to favor him. So God was his source the whole time. Are you hearing that? Bring it up to the New Testament, the feeding of the 5,000. And I've not seen it this way before, but uh, in light of this message, it, it really came through. Feeding the 5,000 men plus women and children, the fishes and the loaves were not the source of their nourishment. Not the real source. It was a resource. A meager one at that. It's like the jar of oil that the widow had in Second Kings. There's no way this little bit of nourishment that was meant for one person's lunch was going to be able to feed that many people. If it was the source, there'd be a lot of starving people out there. Right? The fishes and loaves were not the source of their nourishment. It was the meager resource offered up in obedience to Jesus that was then multiplied by the source and provided to everyone. Are you seeing the importance of recognizing the source in our lives? Even uh, one of the episodes in The Chosen, this is extra, so this is free, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> one of the episodes in The Chosen, you remember when uh, uh, Simon, Simon Peter, right, this dude, by hook or by crook, he's going to do whatever he could to, to provide for his family. And most of the time, it was by crook. 
right? But it, everything came to a head, and he was going to have to pay his taxes, right? And, and, and it was all hopeless. He's trying to fish all night. Even his brother and his friends were there helping him, and, and uh, he saw, they saw Jesus, and the next day, they didn't catch a single fish. They saw Jesus on the shore preaching. And Andrew had been trying to tell him, this is the Messiah. And he's like, yeah, right. And this is the, you know, the depiction of the story in the Bible where he has a need. His whole life, or at least his whole adult life, fishing in his mind has been the source of provision for him and his family. But that notion is about to get turned upside down because he comes and Jesus tells him, to cast his net on a specific side of the boat. And he's like, look, man, I do this for a living. It's a waste of time. And Jesus, just the way Jesus said it to him, he said, do it anyway. He did it. And he caught, they caught so many fish, they couldn't keep them in one boat. Up to that point, fishing had been viewed as the source. I'm confident in saying that. But he ended up following Jesus after that because he realized fishing at that point was it, uh, it was a way he made his living, but it wasn't his true source. His true source was God, right? His true source, his true source became the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he left fishing to follow him, right? And, and, and it comes to a point in our lives where we ought to be willing to leave those things that, that we consider sources. And it doesn't mean, you may, not all, you may not have to actually physically leave it, but you do have to divorce yourself from the notion that those things are your source, right? And, and latch on to the fact that there's only one source that I need. There's only one true source for everything that I need in life, and that source is Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Amen? And so, looking at those stories, those stories really blessed me this, uh, uh, this week. And so, uh, and what we have to be careful of, when, when we're looking at things, living paycheck to paycheck, like I said earlier, it's easy to adopt a mentality that the job that enables me to keep living from paycheck, paycheck to paycheck is my source. And if that's the case, then the fear of losing that job, the fear of that source being cut off, can cause us to move into um, Instead of faith toward God, we walk in unbelief. The fear will cause us to compromise our faith walk with God. Be, you be, maybe you won't be surprised, but you might be surprised at how much we'll be willing to compromise in order to hold on to that which we consider a source. We might, comp we might compromise certain biblical truths and justify it. Well, I'm doing what I need to do. Instead of, uh, instead of responding like the three Hebrew boys did under the threat of being tossed into the fiery furnace and saying, hey, we believe God can 
save us from that. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing the knee. We would tend to bow the knee in certain areas morally, ethically. If we're not recognizing who our real source is and we're considering something lower than God, a source. If we're putting something other than God on the throne as provider in our lives. At some point, that master is going to demand a compromise. And we're going to have to make a choice as to who is our master and who we're going to serve. And I know we say, well, God understands and God grace. Yeah, there's grace. It doesn't justify disobedience to God. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Wherever we're operating in fear, we're laying a snare for ourselves. I know sometimes we can be tempted to like, well, if I fear other men, that's a snare. No, no, no. Your fear. Your fear. Whether whether it's fear of a person or a fear of losing a thing of value or losing some kind of pipeline of provision, whatever your fear is, that fear will lay a snare for you. It will ensnare you. It will trap you. But those who trust in the Lord are safe. I choose to be safe in the Lord. So there's safety in trusting in God. Even though on the surface it looks scary, Example, when God wanted the children of Israel to go into the promised land, they had a choice. They could trust God or they can operate according to their fear. They chose fear. They were ensnared by their fear. They ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. When God's will, his perfect will, was for them to inherit the promised land the day that he wanted them to go in. But it delayed there. In a generation missed an opportunity to walk in the fulfillment of God's promise. But eventually they did go in under Joshua. They faced more powerful enemies, well-fortified cities, well-armed armies and militaries, and yet they were safe as they trusted God. The safest place you can be is in the will of God. I said the safest place you can be is in the will of God. And so the safety that we all crave and all strive for is in trusting him. If we trust him, there's safety in trusting him and, and we'll be amazed. Our minds will be blown at how God moves in our lives. And that's not, that's not to say that the motivation should be I'm going to do A so that God can do B. I think we need to have a different attitude about it. We need to have an attitude of, right, this is the heart of our God. He wants us to trust him. And he's been faithful to us. He has never, like the song said, he's never failed us yet. He has been faithful to us. He gave his only begotten son for us so that we can be reconciled to him and be with him 
for eternity. I think he's proven himself to us. Right? And so his commitment to us is beyond question. And so this God wants us to trust him. And can we love him enough and appreciate him enough to trust him? Because that would bless his heart. He wants that kind of relationship with us that we can trust him and we don't, we don't approach him with uh, fear and doubt and unbelief, but we approach him in faith. We approach him in humility. We, we, we realize that he is our heavenly father who, who has good for us at heart always, right? And so whatever my problem is, I can trust him with it. I may not understand how he moves, but I can trust the character. I can trust his heart towards me. Amen? Um, I will finish with this verse out of 2 Samuel, chapter 22. It says, starting at the 29th verse, and it says, For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. Uh, You might want to underline, highlight, and circle that. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. He's a shield for those who trust him. You live according to God's word, there's a shield. He's a shield for those who trust him. He is a shield for those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? Don't you put anything else on his throne. There's only one God. No other man or woman belongs on that. Even your kids, they don't belong on that. Your job, it doesn't belong on that. Your school doesn't belong on that. Your government doesn't belong on that. Your country doesn't belong on that. There's only one God. There's no God but the Lord. His throne is his and his alone. And whatever comes at us, don't let the devil deceive you and tempt you into thinking you know, he wants to get us confused and everything. Don't let him tempt you or, or deceive you into thinking that, that, that God isn't on his job, that God isn't on his throne. He's there. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. He's on his throne. And only he can occupy that throne. So in your heart, in your mind, in your situation, keep him on that throne. Enlarge him in your heart. And in your mind, as you enlarge him, their problems begin to dwindle in, uh, in importance, in scariness, in how, whatever, whatever adjective you want to put on that. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. Hallelujah. And so this God can do for you as it is said here in 2 Samuel. 
Get into God's word. Not just so that you will know it, but, but you want to know what God's heart is, what God wants, what God's truth, word of truth is, so that you can be a doer of his word. Not doing so you can get, but doing out of love and faithful obedience. Because our God deserves as much. God will make your way perfect, you know, blameless. He'll be a shield for you. He'll be a rock for you as only he can. He is on the throne and he is the source of everything you need if you will recognize him as such. I'm going to ask you all to stand. I'm going to ask you today, but I'm going to ask you to really focus in on this week. I want you to assess. Some of you may have already begun to do that, and praise God if that's where you're, if, if, if you've already done so. But I want you to really reflect, Lord, is there an area of my life where I've not recognized you as the source? Have I been depending on my own talents, my own thoughts, my own abilities? Have I been depending on someone else or an institution or, or, or whether that be a job or something else? Have I been, have I elevated something else into your throne in my life? That's not something I intended to do, but if that's what I've done in practice, Lord, I repent. So I want to allow time for those who may be under conviction in that way to repent right now. And, and, but I also want to challenge you this week. Get before God every day in your time of prayer. Evaluate your walk with the Lord in, 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 this, in this specific sense. Evaluate, God, have I put my trust in something else or someone else as my source of something that you should be providing for me? And, and invite God. God will lovingly confirm that truth to you, not to condemn you, but that truth being revealed, God will minister to you, and he will lead you into how you can make him Lord in that area of your life. He'll help you. He'll give you the grace to become, or he'll give you the grace to recognize him as your source in that area of your life. Hallelujah. So let's just have a moment, and I just want you to just bow your heads and And just, just do business with God right now.
Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for ministering to us in a, in a mighty way this morning, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for that, that time of worship um, that ministered to us so greatly, Lord, and, and also uh, the words of exhortation that, that were shared uh, during the worship time were so timely uh, and so relevant so needful. Father, I just present all of us to you this morning, Lord. Lord, you know who's, who you've ministered to. You know who has, who needed this word and who has responded to you where they're standing right now. I thank you, Father, for your, your mercy. That we all don't get what we deserve because of your wonderful mercy. We thank you, Father God, for your grace that allows us to get way better than we deserve. But for Lord, Lord, those of us who have awakened to some degree to areas in our lives that something other than you has subliminally in our minds, maybe not even, maybe not even int intentionally, has become a source to us. Thank you for correcting our perspective, Lord, and, and giving us the grace to put those things in their proper place that they are a resource used by the source to provide for us, Lord. And so we have, uh, help us to be in remembrance of that at all times so that we don't walk in fear of a source drying up because we think something is a source that is merely a resource. Help us to, help us to be reminded at all times that our source never dries up. That according to Psalms 1, that, 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 that those of us who meditate on your word, that we're in your word day and night, those of us who are in Christ and walking with you, will be like trees planted by the water brook, by the water brook, Lord, that has an endless supply of provision that will enable us to continue to bear fruit in our season unto you. So, Lord, you're our source. And we acknowledge you as our source. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, even when we're not. Continue to uh, deal with us, Lord. Uh, continue to chasten us where it's needed. Continue, Lord, to convict us where it's needed. Because we know you'll do it in love. And we'll know you'll do it to our edification. And we want to be like Christ. Mold us, shape us, conform us more and more and more, day by day by day, into the image of our beloved Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord, that we might be the light that you've called us to be, uh, that we might share that light to those who are walking in darkness and bring those out of darkness into your marvelous light. Hallelujah. Lord, be glorified in us and be exalted through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. God bless you. Love you. Love you all.